Good morning, Living Word. How are you? Doing good? Good. So um, you may not know, I actually have a teaching background. I got my uh, degree in music ed, believe it or not. I'll tell you a little bit more about my background later. Um, so if this morning, if I sound a little teacher-like, you bear with me, okay? So there's no quizzes or anything like that. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, guys, so, so excited to be here this morning. If we haven't had a chance to connect or you have, we haven't had a chance to meet yet, um, again, my name is Brandon Snavely. I'm the family pastor here at Living Word. Uh, my responsibilities, just so you know, I'm, I'm direct teaching involvement for our first through fourth grade kiddos, LWAG kids, and oversee the rest of our children's ministries. So national girls ministries, Royal Rangers, everything kids related that happens um, on a Sunday morning as well, um, I oversee. And I'm also, I, I pastor our youth here at the church as well. Every Wednesday night, 7th through 12th grade um, here, 180 is, our, is the name of our youth group. So excited to be here. My wife, Brittany, and I and our three kiddos have, have felt so welcome um, since we came here to Living Word. I, I, love, I love this family, love this church family. So excited to be here. Um, listen, how many of you were here yesterday for, for trunk or treat in any capacity? Volunteers, guests, anybody? Guys, I, I, can we just give a hand to all of our volunteers who are, listen, yesterday, yeah, you guys did an amazing job. If you didn't have a chance to be here, uh, make sure you're here next year. Guys, I came away from yesterday so proud of our church family, the way that you served our community. We had a rough estimate, probably around 400 people come through with kiddos. It was a great day yesterday. Yeah, even even with the rain, I mean, we're thinking, oh my gosh, no one's gonna cut. You know, it's raining from the beginning when we're setting up. My poor trunk or treat, uh, my, my cars who were set up, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're never going to do anything for me again. It was just, but it, it went so great. So thank you again to all of you. It was a great day. We made, um, we made some great connections with families in our communities. We had great conversations with families about getting them plugged into Living Word because that was the point of, of yesterday. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But um, and anyways, I just wanted to make sure that I thanked all the volunteers um, and I've got, a, I've got a little announcement later about the trunk, so bear with me, it's coming, all right? So listen, I want to open up this morning with a quote from a young Christian evangelist. His name is Clayton Jennings. He's Jennings. He's uh, late 20s, probably early 30s. Um, he, he felt a call in his life to go around America and the, and the world and, and evangelize. He, he brings in mainly young people high school students, college-age students, and he's, he's helping to challenge them if they don't know Christ to, to accept him as Savior and to challenge our young people um, to, to be passionate about their faith. But th- this is what he said. Not telling people about Christ is like watching a sick person die while you hold the cure to their disease in your pocket. Let me say that again. Not telling people about Christ is like watching a sick person die while you hide the cure to their disease in your pocket. Think about that for a minute. It's it's very true. If we compare those who don't know Christ to sickness, the frank reality is that our world is dying, right? Ultimately, we all have a serious disease. It's called sin. And without Jesus in our lives as the payment for that condition, each of us is lost. With that theology in, in mind, I want to take us next to look at the call Jesus himself gave his disciples to share the message of healing and hope with the world. 
If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with us to Matthew 28, 18. If you don't have them, um, it will be up on the screens here as well. I do want to encourage you to, to bring your Bibles with you every Sunday morning. Uh, we're, we, we get into the Word here at Living Word, as kind of our name applies. You know? so, so bring your Bibles with you. You can also, you know, if you've got the Bible app, that's great too on your phones. Um, while you find it, Pastor's been um, speaking on the series um, called Why We Do What We Do. Last week, Pastor shared on why we served uh, why we serve. I hope you all enjoyed my wife, Brittany, and daughters out there holding the signs as you all drove in. It was, it was fun, right? It was fun. She said some of you stopped and, and said hi, and it was, it was so great. We, they loved doing that. Our girls learned a little bit about standing for 20 minutes and serving, right? <laughs> that, get a four-year-old to stand in one place for very long. You've, you've accomplished something. But uh, we love doing that, and we, and we want to do more things like that um, as, as we move on. So... Um, and I think Pastor mentioned one time, next time we do that, um, when service time starts, we're just going to flip that around. It's going to say, welcome, but you're late. So is that, is that okay? I'm just kidding. We won't do that to you. But uh, listen, we had such a great response from, from Living Word last week after the service about getting people plugged into ministries here at Living Word. So if you did that, thank you so much for plugging in. Uh, we've, we believe we've got some great things happening here at Living Word for our students and, and for outreach and different things. So if you signed up, um, be expecting a follow-up from a ministry leader here soon, okay, uh, by phone or email. Uh, be looking for that because we'll be following up with you to get you plugged into those. So thank you again so much for doing that. We really appreciate that. Um, but this morning, I want to share something else we believe is near to the heart of God, and that is why we reach, why we reach. At least part of the importance of this series, I believe, has been just to say, listen, we do all these things we do. We do church. We serve. We reach out because of just that. It's the heart of God. So let's look this morning, Matthew 28, 18, as we talk about why we reach. Um, a little bit of background here for those who may not be familiar. This section is what's traditionally known as the Great Commission. One of the last things the author of Matthew records of Jesus sharing with his disciples. So this is Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus was, was telling his disciples, what he was telling them was clear. There wasn't any ambiguity there, any double, hidden double meaning. He was saying, you need to take this message that I've shared with you and send it to the world and reach, and reach out to the world with this message. It cannot stay here. It has to be taken out. From the, from the Great Commission, the disciples knew that reaching out was a few things. Number one, they knew the message was critical. The disciples did not know how, and they did not understand all the details of what taking the message to the world looked like. But these disciples, who were mostly poor and uneducated, this ragtag group took the most critical news, the good news of the gospel, to the then-known world. Because Jesus had spent three years of ministry walking and talking with them, they understood the gravity of why they had to take this message. It was literally of an eternal importance, right? They also knew not everyone would accept their message. They knew that. In Mark chapter 6, we have another example of Jesus instructing his followers to go out and preach the message um, and take that message of repentance to the surrounding towns and villages. 
Verse 11 says, and if any place will not welcome you, this is Mark 6, 11. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. So the disciples kind of got this feeling from, from Jesus telling them this, okay, not everybody's going to be receptive to what we have to say. And Jesus is saying, that's okay. That's okay. Not everyone's going to accept it. Move on to the next person that needs my hope, right? So listen, it was clear to the disciples from their experience with Jesus, the rejection he encountered himself, in addition to Jesus's warnings as he sent them out, that they would come face to face with people who would not want to hear what they had to say. So number two, they expected rejection. They expected it and they still went. When it happened, it probably wasn't a surprise to them. They were simply following Jesus's command to take the good news. They could not and they would not control people's reaction to the message that they, that they were bringing. In fact, listen, beyond rejection, the disciples also understood that they, they, that they may well give their lives for the sake of the gospel. They knew that was a possibility. And we, we don't know the exact details of all, but do you know that every single disciple except for John gave their life for the gospel? Every one of them except John. We, we, in gruesome and, and horrible manners, some were, some were crucified upside down. Some were speared through the, through, through the bodies. They died in horrible, horrible ways. Some in, in tar and burned alive. The disciples knew, though, the possibility of, of, of dying when they took that message. And, and, and they still went, right? They still went. In the current church age, sharing the gospel um, with those around the world um, has come to be known uh, in a couple different ways, uh, outreach and missions. So typically when we talk about outreach, we're talking about um, the local reach, okay, around us. Typically when we say outreach, we're talking about our community, our our immediate area. Um, When we talk about missions, generally speaking, we're talking about um, a world reach, okay, of the gospel. And we'll talk a little bit more about why we feel both of those things are important. Just know that the Great Commission in the current age has not changed. The, the, it didn't, the Great Commission did not stop with the martyrdom of the, of the disciples. It did not end with them. The Great Commission continues in each of us. Amen? So it's part of the heart of God that we share the good news of Jesus with both our neighbor locally in an outreach environment and our neighbor around the world through missions. Because of that, we're passionate at living word about reaching out through doing both. Um, Two of our core values, in fact, of living word are this. We are one community focused and two, we're missions minded. If you go to our website, you'll find um, two of our four core values are are those two things. Uh, Because we're community focused, that's what this means. This is what that means. We reach out with events like Trunk or Treat yesterday. Uh, we've stressed from the beginning that while this event and others are great ways to spend time as a living word family, um, it goes deeper than that. It has to go deeper than that. We can't just put on great events to put on great events. Okay? Uh, um, it, it goes beyond that. Um, we will still put on great events, but we'll do it with the purpose of reaching our community. Okay? 
And, and we did that yesterday. I'm telling you, we did that yesterday. You, our team, did that yesterday. Um, again, I just want to thank each of you that came out yesterday to, to help serve. You know, I'm, I got to mention this. I, I, we had about 15 of our youth here too. I think that's pretty awesome. Can we give our youth a hand? We had 15 to 20 that were here and they, and some of them, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're probably not going to come back to youth group because I'm having them sweep and they're mopping and they're cleaning up trash. Guys, um, I'm proud of everybody, but I'm especially, I'm proud of our youth yesterday who helped serve. So got to give them a shout out for that. So um, if you, if you're here this morning and you were a guest uh, with us yesterday. Um, thank you so much for coming. I hope you felt welcomed and loved yesterday, and I hope here this morning you felt that same welcome and love. I want you to know that you belong here. I want you to know that this, um, you are welcome here. Um, if there's anything that we can do to help serve you, please let us know. Uh, we, we're glad to do that. So find Pastor or myself afterwards or any of our, our other leaders, and we'd be more than happy to help serve you any way we can, okay? Um, you've, you've got a family here and you're welcome. All right. So I do have an announcement to make about yesterday. Okay. About our, our first place trunk. Okay. Uh, I've been having people ask me since last night, you know, Brandon, who won? You got to, you got to wait. You got to wait. Someone asked me this morning. I said, were you here for service? No, you got to wait. You got to wait. So our first place trunk from yesterday, drum roll, please. Okay. First plate trunk from yesterday was Dan Rusnick. Dan, are you here? Come on up, Dan. Come on up. Come on up. We have an official, an official first place trunk or treat trophy. This is, this is legit, guys. All right. So there you go, Dan. So bragging rights and a trophy. Yeah, good job. So uh, Dan's, Dan's trunk was a big shark. His, his whole truck was just a shark and teeth like coming over the grill. It was super cool. So um, great job. Close second place was Heather Montana. Heather, are you here? Where are you at? All right, second place. All right, and third place was our own Catherine Catalano. So give Kath, she, she had like... Uh, she had like bubbles going and suckers and she was going to do this chocolate fountain. We had a hiccup with the chocolate, I think, but, uh, um, it was so great yesterday. Thank you again to everyone. I was amazed at your guys created creativity with these trunks. I said in first service, um, you gotta be careful cause I'll be asking you to join creative team or something. Okay. So be careful, but thank you so much to everybody who, um, participated in that. Um, but beyond events like trunk or treat, um, we also engage in numerous examples of community outreach throughout the year. Our Harvest Feast outreach that Pastor mentioned earlier um, is, another, is another outreach. And we take Thanksgiving baskets to families in our area who may be in need of, of that assistance. Um, again, if you have a family to refer to us that could, that could use that, um, please make sure and, and grab a card from the welcome table out there. And, and we'll be glad to take that referral. We're also active in the Angel Tree Outreach. If you're not familiar with that, that happens around Christmas. That's a ministry, a, a national ministry focused on providing Christmas presents to kids of incarcerated parents who's, who may have a parent or both parents in prison. Um, amazing outreach, kids who may not receive a Christmas present otherwise. 
At different times of the year, we provide food to local food pantries. And of course, our school supply outreach provides necessary school supplies to the school aid, a large percentage of school aged children in our county and surrounding areas. Our vacation Bible school, of course, in the summer reaches out to hundreds of families in the area looking for a fun and safe environment uh, to send their kids to where they can learn about God. And there are others we regularly participate in. Guys, we need, there are families in Wayne County that need the transforming hope of Jesus. Amen. So we are going to continue to reach our community with the stated purpose of, of giving that hope to families that need it. Um, we're, so of course we're new to Wayne County. Um, I, I, I'm still learning. Um, I'm learning what it means to be a 315er. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's a thing. I, it's a thing. I, uh, I, I still have a Missouri phone number because before Colorado, we were in Missouri. Yeah, long story. But um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about finally changing my number. 315. I need to change my <laughs> Saw the Wayne County people was like, yeah, another. Anyways, I won't, get, I won't go there. Um, but listen, guys, there are needs in Wayne County, right here in Wayne County in western New York. According to the 2010 census, I don't know if you knew this, over 16% pushing close to 20% of students 18 and under are living below the poverty line. Pushing 20%, we're talking kids, below the poverty line. Substance abuse in Wayne County is a growing problem. Many of you know you've had, you've had personal connection with a substance abuse problem in Wayne County. The opioid crisis is hitting Wayne County, New York. Our community needs the hope of Jesus, amen? And we are going to continue to be, to be that hope to Wayne County. In addition to being community-focused, we are also, also missions-minded here at Living Word. Well, what that means is that we put a special emphasis on reaching out to those around the world who have little or no access to the gospel. We're going to unpack that a little bit. I've got a video I'd like to show you, a quick uh, video on, on why a God-centered theology on missions is important. Okay, so let's take, take a look at this video. So there's a lot in that video to unpack. We're going to talk about a little bit of that this morning. Um, but I want to focus in on something as we start here. Uh, the, I, this idea of having no access to the Bible around the world. It, it's a foreign idea to, to us here in the U.S. And, and let me tell you why. Most of the population in the U.S. live within uh, 20 minutes of a church. We can go and find all of these options, options for church, whatever your flavor of church is, there's, there's options. I, uh, we live some time in what you call the Bible belt of, of in, in Missouri through that kind of Midwest area. There are certainly plenty of needs there as well, as I could, I could tell you, but we, they called, in fact, Springfield, Missouri was the, is the headquarters of the Assemblies of God, our, our fellowship. And, and so we would often say as well, this is actually the, the buckle of the Bible belt right there in, in Missouri. But, um, that is not the case around the world. That access of being so close to a church, is just not the case. You would have to drive hours, if not days, to find a Bible-believing church in many parts of the world. In other parts of the world, you can't advertise that you've got a church. So our, our brothers and sisters around the world meet underground, not, not literally, but they meet in secret in their homes, and, and they have to stay small in small fellowships for fear of someone from the government infiltrating their group. Um, having a Bible is contraband. It's illegal. 
If you've seen Orla, she wears a shirt that says, uh, this shirt is illegal in many countries. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's talking about the, the cross. That symbol is illegal in many parts of the world. And to, and to wear something like a cross necklace, which we do so casually here, would, would, would put a target on your back around the world. Um, let's dig a little bit more into having no access to the gospel. According to uh, the Joshua Project, which is a Christian research organization um, that highlights unreached people groups around the world, there are currently, as the video said too, around 7,000 groups, people groups, or if you're more comfortable with the term tribes, um, that, are un- that are categorized as unreached around the world. 7,000 distinct tribes of people around the world that are unreached. To say that a group is unreached would mean that they have less than 5% of the population that professes to know Christ. Now, many of these unreached people groups or tribes is much less than, much less than 5%. We're talking a few known believers. The Sheikh people of Bangladesh, for example, number over 135 million, and there are less than 10 known believers in that tribe. Isn't that amazing? 135 million, and there's less than 10. Do you believe that there's a church within that population? Probably not. The Koreans, for example, in in North Korea, live in one of the most oppressive regimes in the world. Current politics aside, okay, um, North Korean life is completely controlled by the officially atheist government, and they have no real freedom to worship. There are two Protestant churches in the entire country of North Korea. You can go look this up. But here's the catch. They have direct supervision from the North Korean communist government. Direct supervision. It's widely believed by local missionaries there that the only reason those churches exist is for a front of a semblance of religious freedom. So there's not real freedom there. We've heard horrible stories in the past couple of years from our Christian brothers and sisters in Iraq, in Syria, being driven from their homes, being tortured at the hands of ISIS. We've heard about the 200 plus school age girls in Nigeria, in the Christian village of Chibok, Nigeria, that were kidnapped by the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram, uh, ripped from their homes while they were taking tests at school. These terrorists moved in and kidnapped them in trucks and drove them out into the, into the country. Many of them are still not, not to be found. Some of them have been returned, but this happened now a handful of years ago, and there's some that have still not returned. These types of dangers, guys, and threats are a reality for much of the world. The existing church in what we call the 1040 window, which if you remember the map on the country uh, in the video, if you can picture back that map, it started highlighting some countries over there in the, in the Middle East of the country. When you think the 1040 window, that includes areas like Northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, India's in there, um, China's in there, it, it just that large swath of countries. Think of all the Istans, the, the former Soviet Union um, countries of the Soviet Union, places like Sudan, Somalia, Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Nepal, Bangladesh. The list goes on and on of the countries where it is dangerous and most, and many times illegal to live as a Christian. 
I could tell you story after story, talk some time with Julie Mesnick, our missions committee director, about the stories we hear from missionaries on the front lines in the most difficult places. Brittany and I have, have personal friends who are missionaries in Kurdistan, in northern Iraq. Um, you, you cannot believe, uh, we, we can, you cannot believe the, the stories that they could tell you. They live in secret. They've gone over. Um, they've gone over to with a water purifying um, an organization that purifies water, and that's their that's their cover for sharing the gospel. And so they live and work among the Iraqi people in Kurdistan and share the gospel. And they've got two young kids. They took the call in their life that God had for them, and and without reservation went to Iraq to share the good news of Jesus. It's, it's amazing. In many of these countries, of course, it's strictly prohibited to convert to Christianity or away from the majority religion. I don't know if you heard about this in the news. It, it wasn't highly publicized, but even within the last couple of weeks, did you know that Nepal, uh, famous for Mount Everest, of course, passed an anti-conversion law. You can look that up too, which made it illegal for locals to convert to Christianity and away from the majority faith. In Pakistan and other countries in that region, blasphemy and apostasy laws are used to wrongfully imprison and torture pastors and Christians who share the truth of the Bible. Honor killings are still used in places like India and other countries by families who have had someone leave the majority faith. Local governments are often pressured then not to prosecute families who have killed a family member in a so-called honor killing. So these mobs of murderous families go untried often. It's, 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 it's pretty common for these people um, to, not, to not be tried for, for an honor killing. It, one, it was so ingrained into the culture in many terms, it's just, it's accepted as normal. The stark reality, guys, is that almost half of the world's population is unreached by the gospel. And in many of these places, persecutions that we talked about are a daily reality. We need to pray, church family, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who suffer in persecution around the world. Amen. We need, that needs to be a part of our, our regular prayer. God, protect our brothers and sisters in Christ. Give them a boldness to share their faith. Looking back at the Great Commission, I want you to think back to the verses we read. Look back at if you've still got your Bibles there. Jesus never made an, a special exception, did he, for those hard-to-reach places? He didn't. He didn't say, oh, you know what? Go into all the world except if it's going to be difficult. Except if, if, if they don't want to hear what you have to say. Of course, we know Paul and others uh, spent, uh, spent a, a good amount of time in prison, in chains for the gospel. Did that stop them from going? It didn't. It didn't. The command was simply to go. Be- because of the Great Commission, <laughs> I'll just... Uh, I'm, um, okay, so funny story. I'll, let me pause right here. We come from the Midwest, and if you hear an alarm that means or a siren, that means go run to the basement because it's a tornado. I'm serious. 
I'm serious. My son and I, I was here working one day and the local sirens go off. No one tells me. So my son and I go run into the front. Catherine, where's the basement? <laughs> anyway, she looked at me like I was crazy. True story. True story. Um, okay. But because of this great commission as a church, Living Word, Living Word supports 60 missionaries around the world, both in the U.S. and overseas. It's amazing. Last year, Living Word gave over 150000 to support mission. That's you guys. We did that together. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's amazing. With your continued financial support, Living Word is going to continue to emphasize the importance of reaching out through both missions and outreach. Of course, our missions reach is not limited to countries that are hard to reach or places where Christians are heavily persecuted for their faith. Living Word has also formed strategic, long-lasting missions partnerships with, with missionaries around the world. Um, one of those being Terry and Bridget Roche. They're missionaries to Panama, who many of you have met if you've been on, on our, one of our mission trips to Panama. Um, a great relationship we've formed now with them for about 10 years. Um, again, as many of you know, we'll be sending teams back this coming February. Um, we've got a construction team going to help build, um, uh, construct something that, that, that Terry and Bridget need help with. And we've also got an evangelism team going. I'm leading the evangelism team, and we're going to go and share, share Jesus with kids at a soccer camp that they put together and organized. And we're going to share Jesus with locals and share that hope. Um, I've got a, we've got great teams going. Uh, shameless plug here. Um, we do need, we've got a few more spots open on our evangelism team. If that's something that you've never done and something that you'd be interested in going, please join us. Please join us. I would love for you to be on that team. We've got a little bit of time left uh, for you to sign up. So that can be done online or you can come, uh, come find one of us afterwards and we'll, we'll help you do that. Um, the question, guys, of being involved in sharing the good news of Jesus is not an if question. It's not if we're going to do that. It's a how question. How are you and I involved in the Great Commission, locally and internationally? How have you lived and shared your faith with your neighbor or your lost family member? I, um, my background, as I said earlier, was in education. I got a degree um, in, in music education from Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, um, four and a half year degree. Um, and, and as, as our family was young and as, as life kind of changed and moved, I got out of education. I worked in a factory at one point where we, uh, where we, uh, put, put together light gasket work to like redo engines and things like that. Don't ask me. I know nothing about engines. I don't even know what we were doing. I, just, I was just, I just did what people told me to do, you know, but I became a supervisor. I moved up. I was promoted, became a supervisor there. Um, how many of you who may work or been around a factory know that factory life is, is a whole different world in itself. Yeah. It's a whole different world. Here's what started happening though, in that factory setting for me, I had people and I wasn't the kooky Christian who brought my Bible to work and slapped people on the back of the head with it, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But people knew that I was a person of faith. They knew that I was a person of faith. And what I started to do was notice that there were conversations that people were hungry to have when they were in a time of need. They'd come up to me and say, Brandon, man, I need some prayer. My wife and I, 
we're, we're going through a nasty divorce. I need some prayer. Or Brandon, my kids are struggling so bad. I don't know what's going on. I need some prayer. And these are people who I didn't even know. I don't, didn't know what they believed about God. I certainly knew they weren't Christians. Okay, but they, they came and they found me. They sought me out. I believe if, if you all in your places of work would start looking for conversations to share the gospel, that they will happen. I believe if you are open to those conversations, that they will begin to happen. I do. Later on, I became a, a finance supervisor um, at Expedia, the online travel company. Depending on your experience with Expedia, don't, okay? Don't be mad at me. It wasn't me. <laughs> uh, it wasn't my fault, I promise. Um, I just did invoices, okay? Um, but no, a very, um, very um, difficult culture to, to be a person of faith in. Um, but the same thing started happening there. The same thing started happening there. People came to me, even as a supervisor, and said, uh, Brandon... I, I've got something I need to share with you. I, my, you know, the stories, it happened again and again. People would come and seek me out. This, here's the point I'm getting at. Wherever you are at, wherever God has you, he has you there for a reason. You don't need a four-year degree, uh, four-year pastorate degree to be a pastor in your workplace. You don't need missionary training to be a missionary to your community. That's what we're saying this morning is that each of us is called to be that where we are. Ask God to begin providing those opportunities. Pray for those opportunities to share faith with your coworkers because they'll happen. They will with your unsaved family. I know when we talk about our family, you know, when we have family members that are unsaved, that's a different ball game, right? That can be the, the relationships are challenging there for our unsaved family. But begin praying that God would provide opportunities to share even with your unsaved family. God has a heart for our family that is unsaved, yeah? I want to challenge um, everyone this morning in that. What would happen? I wonder what would happen if each of us endeavored to share our faith with five people within the next year. Can you imagine the ripple effect in Wayne County if each and every one of us stepped out and shared our faith with a couple of people? I'm not talking about a list of the hundred most unsaved people in, in Wayne County. I'm talking about five people in your circle that you could begin and, and by saying, you know what? Hey, would you come over for dinner? Our family, I want to spend time with you. Imagine sitting and have a, having a conversation with someone who is hurting and in need of hope. And you could say, you know what? I'm going to invest in this person because they could use hope. Imagine if, we, if that started happening all over this county. Imagine what would happen if we engaged in missions personally, each of us. If we promised to be either a goer or a sender, what if we prayed for missionaries to be raised up right out of living word? I don't know, parents, if you know this, I hope you're okay with this, but I'm praying for your kids and your youth that we would have kids in, in living word that would be called to missions around the world. I'm praying for that. Yeah, amen. I, we, we talk about it. We talk about what it means to share your faith. We talk about 
what it would, and I want to put that in front of them as, as, as much as we can. What if we, instead of discouraging family and friends from going to hard to reach places, we instead challenge them to always follow God's leading, regardless of the loss of our comforts. As the worship team comes back up, as we, as we close here, um, you know, Brittany and I have a personal um, love for, for missions and, and in living word, uh, the same thing. It's the same thing here. Um, Brittany was raised on the mission field, some in South Africa. And uh, I call her my white African queen. <laughs> she, was, she was raised on the mission field in Africa during, during apartheid, during a very difficult, one of the most difficult situations in South Africa that that country has gone through. And that presented its own challenges, for those of you who know the history of apartheid. But um, they had this white van, and it was Comvi. Combi, combi. That's what they call them. The, these white vans, kind of almost like a cargo looking van. And what, they also used these vans to taxi people around. It was a common vehicle to use as a taxi. But her family got the, the combi from Speed the Light. Yeah. For those of you who know Speed the Light, they got this big van. And um, that was their personal family vehicle. Well, what would happen is they would come up to, because it was also used as a taxi, they would come up to these intersections and um, people would, would pull on the door thinking that it was a taxi. And I, I remember Brittany has told me many times how, her, how their father would tell them, girls, get on the ground. Girls, get on the ground. And there, there was, it, was just, it was a scary situation uh, many times. Um, they, they, they drove this van. One, one day, Kent was alone, thankfully, in the vehicle. He had just gone, and Kent, my father-in-law, Brittany's dad, had gone and picked up all these visas for a team that was coming. And, um, and he got to an intersection, and someone shoved a, a gun in the door, said, get out. He was carjacking them. He was taking the, he was taking the van. He was taking the truck. And Kent... He, he, he talks about just this Holy, this Holy Spirit, like confidence and, and maybe a little bit of stubbornness <laughs> coming over him. He said, not today. I've got, t- there's too much, there's too much writing on, on these visas, on this paperwork. He grabs this guy's hand. He shoves the gun um, out the, out the window and uses his door to push the guy away and drives off. These are the kind of things that are daily occurrences for missionaries around the world. It happens every day. This isn't, it's, you, I'm telling you, talk with Julie, talk with pastor, do a little research on missionaries. It happens daily. But I'm wondering if you and I, in spite of the rejection we might find, just like the disciples, in spite of the, uh, the, the difficult things that might happen when we begin to share our faith, if we would still go. I wonder if our faith um, it, it, it can, can be enough, and, and even in those challenging times. So as, began, as the band starts playing here, um, Dick Brogdon, he's a missionary to the 1040 window that we talked about. Um, he says in his devotional, Live, it's called Live Dead Joy. He says, I suggest that Jesus is tired of seeing us throw money at problems. His answer for the problems of people is people. His answer for the problems of people is us. We, the church, are the answer that will connect hurting people to the heart of Christ. Well, that's us. So I'm wondering how, you're, how we can partner together to begin reaching our neighbors, to begin reaching our communities. 
I love opportunities to connect and apply a message. I'd like you, each if you could, if you do this with me, get out your bulletin or, or some kind of piece of paper and grab a pen if you've got that. If not, grab your phone. I'd like everybody uh, do this with me, all right? Here's my uh, teachery assignment for the day, for the morning. I want each of you in your personal um, bubble, your family bubble, to think of three people, three people that are unsaved, three people that need the hope of Christ, that you have some kind of influence on, whether, you know, that you know personally, whatever that may be, that you could begin having intentional conversations with, that you could begin inviting over to, to dinner at your home, that you could begin opening up your home and welcoming people in your neighborhood that might need Christ. Families with children that you could begin tying in to Royal Rangers and, and National Girls Ministries and our youth. And as we begin as a church rising up to, to help people here in Wayne County. So write those three names down for me if you would. Those are for you. I'm not going to collect them or, or check as you walk out the door to make sure everybody wrote them down. But those are for you. Do something with that list. Do something with that list on the way out of here today today, tomorrow, this week, make a call, send a message on social media, whatever you want to do. Be intentional about these relationships. I believe God will provide opportunities when we pray to reach out to these people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. The band's going to close us with a closing song. Um, Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you so much for your heart for us. Thank you that your heart is for the lost. God, we take the challenge as the church to take the great commission to our community locally and to our community worldwide. We accept the great commission as each of our responsibilities and not just something that missionaries and pastors are going to take care of, but that each of us would be engaged in the process of of bringing the lost into the fold. Give us, give us a courage, give us a boldness when there might be rejection, when people say no, when people may laugh in our faces. God, would we just maintain a, a passion for your truth for the lost? God, we need your presence as we go each and every day. God, we thank you for who you are. In your name we pray, amen. If everyone would stand.